Thank you. You're, you're going to get three speakers on, on similar ground, but from very, very different perspectives, as, uh, as Martin was just saying. So I'm very empirical. I'm the Director of Strategy and Planning in an institution saying what we have done and, and what we make of that in practical terms with, with students using the Higher Education Funding Council uh, money. You're then going to get two proper academics uh, uh, stand up and tell you within one of the work strands of that project uh, what the data about those students suggests uh, in terms of findings. And then to, to top that off, uh, Brooke's going to take a policy perspective. So, um, so between those different angles, and I'll leave you to spot the differences, um, uh, hopefully we'll give you good windows in on the, uh, the project that we've, we've all been uh, working on. My own presentation uh, is in three parts. So one is to create, I hope, a bit of a level playing field in the room in terms of the three phases of change in policy for at least postgraduate taught education uh, uh, so that we, um, we, we, get, we get a sense of where we are. We're in the, we're in the second bit of, of three things that have happened policy-wise then say something about what a Sheffield-led consortium that I've been leading has been doing and funding. Um, and then a little bit of crystal ball gazing at the end, if you'll allow me, about how those policy changes and what we understand about the students might change those students or institutional behaviour, uh, either as intended or unintended consequences of the policy uh, that, we're, that we're seeing. So that's how I intend to fill the, the next 45 minutes and Martin will kick the legs out from under me when, when time is uh, up. And I think we're having a discussion after Paul and Sally have uh, presented their, their findings. Um, so the first thing that happened is that there was a whole set of national reports labelled things like the postgraduate crisis um, from uh, uh, the now uh, defunct 1994 group and so on. Um, but, but a, a, a whole series of reports where nationally it was noticed, and quite right too, that applications to postgraduate taught study were falling, and that hidden in those falling numbers was a widening participation crisis, and Alan Milburn uh, notably wrote about that, as, as did the Sutton Trust. Um, and in response to that, at least I guess it was in response to that, so Brooke, Brooke can say, um, Hefke said, let's run some pilot studies. And there was a competitive uh, call to set up what turned into 20 pilot projects, uh, giving out 20 25 uh, million pounds, really to explore uh, a series of institutional uh, pilots or studies to inform, uh, to provide evidence to inform uh, the government's view. So that's, that looks at its off at a really nice attempt at evidence-led policy making. Uh, it caught a cold about halfway through. Um, in the sense that, that ministers wanted to get on and make announcements before the pilot studies had come to their conclusions. Uh, but nevertheless, the, the beginning of this uh, was there and very exciting. And I still remember the, the phone call on the train uh, telling uh, me <laughs> that Sheffield had, had, had won its three million pounds. Uh, and of course then had to embarrass myself by dancing up and down the carriage. Um, so... Um, <laughs> Uh, now the second thing that happened, and I hope as a consequence of what the pilots uh, were finding, uh, certainly what the Sheffield uh, pilot was finding, um, is, is where we are now, which is we're in this transitional year where the scheme 
a scheme that's very close to the scheme that I'll tell you about that we ran in the six universities in, in, in the consortium, uh, uh, became national with £50 million, 10,000 uh, uh, awards of £10,000, five, 5k from Hefke and five from the institution. And uh, many of you in the room may indeed be involved in either providing the evidence to support the criteria for those schemes, or, or running the recruitment activity, or providing information, advice and guidance to the students uh, to bring them in uh, against those schemes. It's, it, it's a national test uh, of the, um, uh, the project that we've been running in, in, in Sheffield to, to see if it can be extrapolated. Uh, it's a great scheme because it's focused very much on widening participation and supporting those who are the most able but least likely to go on to postgraduate post study. Um, it, 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 so so, so I, ho I hope that goes well. Um, as, as I will go, go through my presentation, one of the points I'll be making is that it shouldn't be a one-off uh, product. Um, uh, we, we, we need this if, if the policy has anything to do with fair access to the professions and social equity. What's currently uh, announced as future policy uh, beyond uh, that is the government-backed loan scheme from 1617, which is currently subject to a biz consultation. Um, and uh, it, it has some interesting aspects. The 10K figure is pretty solidified in the debate now. Um, our scheme was mostly 10K scholarships. The interim scheme is 10,000 10K scholarships, loan contribution up to 10K. Um, and uh, the students are post supposed to pay this back, and they're supposed to pay it back concurrently with their UG loan. Um, there are some controversial bits about it's not all postgraduate study and it's not all age groups that we will want to say something about in, in, in the consultation. So that's the, that's the bit to come. And I hope that with an election in the way and the biz consultation happening, uh, we as a sector, whether, you know, whether in practitioner roles or in academic roles, can influence this scheme to get the policy response we actually want as opposed to the one that's currently uh, being put out there for us to uh, come back on. Um, uh, the proposal to have lending is a fantastic thing, uh, but on its own it's not the whole solution. Um, so, now the, um, so now the consortium. Um, so there's a couple of things to say. Although we're funded by Hefke, we're not Hefke. So anything I say about um, policy, you just have to realise I'm not the official spokesman. She sat here. Um, and uh, so I might express opinions, but they're my own um, uh, 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 about, about the policy. The second thing to say is, although there are six institutions in our consortium, all equal partners, the data I will present is true, and it belongs to the consortium, and there it is. But I don't speak for any of these institutions other than this one. So um, uh, I can speak to the data, but if I express opinions, again, they're my own. I don't, I don't purport to speak for Manchester or, 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 or York or Warwick or, or whatever uh, uh, beyond presenting our, our findings in the, in the consortium. Um, why these universities? Well, you'll notice they're all Russell Group, and you might challenge that. Uh, we would defend that by saying it has something to do with uh, progression rates. Uh, you might notice that there's some geographical coherence, if you'll allow me to put Warwick in the north of England temporarily. Um, and uh, so there's a, co there's, a, there's, a co there's a common interest there regionally. Uh, we all are uh, enthusiastic enough to coalesce around an issue about 
widening access to the professions, PGT and uh, widening participation. Um, so uh, that, that, that's the group that formed. And we, we, we wanted to tackle four issues. What does access to postgraduate education look like from a student point of view? How do those students fund their study? What does the academic offer look like and does it need to innovate and change? In other words, is the issue that students just don't want to study the stuff we're offering out there into the marketplace or can't access it and does the product need to change? Thirdly, what role does information, advice and guidance play? Because the issues couldn't, it's possible that the issues are not financial issues, it's possible that the issues are about, well look, there are scholarships, there are programmes, there are initiatives in universities, you just have to find them. Um, and does it, do universities make that easy or difficult? And then lastly, uh, what we've called understanding the student, but this is the quantitative stream that gets hold of current students, alumni, uh, from the six institutions, applicants, and finds out who they are, what they are, what's driving them, what their motives are, and so on. I'm going to talk in my presentation mainly about this stream, Acts, uh, Stream 1. Uh, Paul, Paul and Sally are going to talk mainly in their presentation, I guess, about Stream 4, uh, uh, understanding uh, the student. Um, so the scholarship scheme. Um, we decided to invent a scholarship scheme um, that would give out funds of not, uh, the, the mean value was uh, £10,000 to applicants that displayed widening participation characteristics um, using the hefty money and matching it 100% from the institutions in the consortium. Now at the time, you might, of course, we're looking through post-announcement spectacles now, so you'll say, well, that sounds like the scheme Hefke just you know, announced across the country. Of course, if you put yourself back 18 months ago, we, we were making this up. Um, and we, we, we had issues around what was the right value. There was debate in the consortium around, you know, it was a little bit of money as good as a lot of money. You know, what, what makes the difference in terms of attracting participants? Who are this group that uh, we have concern about? How do we define them? Do we, do we have a common view on who they are and what their characteristics are and how we might measure that? Um, and are the institutions sufficiently interested in dealing with that problem to put the matched uh, funding up? Um, and uh, in a way, we were doing this in the face of falling applications overall, our institutions following the national trend. So it was entirely possible that we were going to put a scheme out and not have any interest. Because uh, two other things, just in the counterintuitive world, could be true. One is people just don't want to do postgraduate study anymore. Or that those who are uh, most able but least likely to progress aren't progressing uh, just because they don't want to. The, the ambition is not there. Um, it could be that going to a nice Russell Group University and getting your undergraduate degree means you know, all your past widening participation characteristics that may have existed when you were undergraduate are washed out. You know, how, how, can, how, how can you say you have a widening participation background when you went to the University of Warwick or Manchester and have your undergraduate degree? You know, you're now one of society's elite. 
So, um, so how do we, you know, do, is this a scheme that's going to uh, work or, 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 or have any legs? So we targeted uh, progressors, but mainly it has to be said returners. And we looked at the data on um, what's the typical period after undergraduate, after graduating, that graduates came back to do postgraduate study, typically three or seven years after their original degree. And uh, we got that alumni data and contacted those two populations directly. We included all postgraduate courses, not just uh, uh, master's courses, so PG certs, PG diplomas, uh, legal practice courses. If it was post-graduation post study, we were interested. We didn't have an ELQ rule. I remember email correspondence backwards and forwards uh, between ourselves and Brooke early on because Hefke decided at some early stage that the ELQ rule did apply and we had to argue about that. Um, and we targeted programmes that, that provided fair access to the professions and notably no age bar. So the, these were different from the scheme that some of you may be involved in running this year. Choosing the criteria. Um, some data was just not available to us that we might have liked to have. So do you come from a migrant family background? Uh, what's the family capital? Um, what's your level of social engagement? Things that might suggest a widening participation characteristic, but we can't evidence it. Um, that was one issue. And secondly, we were very keen that the students could see transparently themselves whether they met those criteria on application. So things that they knew were true or not true as they applied, so they knew whether or not they were meeting those criteria. Uh, the second issue we had uh, challenges with is whether the criteria we were picking were current or historic. So let, let's take finance. Oh, um, you got an undergraduate maintenance grant. Well, that's, that's not much good as a measure if you're a graduate coming back seven years later you know, with an undergraduate degree from university and you know you, you landed yourself a great job and your, your career is going fine. Um, so how do you update that? Do you look at whether the individual is on income support, housing benefit, um, getting a, 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 a maintenance uh, payment currently? So these sorts of issues we had to tackle too, but Paul may speak about independence indeed um, uh, of those. So the thing that quickly became clear to us as six institutions is that, is that there, were, there was no currently understood definition of the group of concern. We all talked about wide participation, but we didn't know what we meant. Um, and that it was a struggle to get to a set of criteria. And each of the six institutions, uh, although I'm going to present a list over two slides, you'll see in this column here, some were used by all six institutions uh, and some not. So notably, Sheffield, my own institution, was the only uh, institution to say, if you're the, a carer of an ill or disabled family member, we think that is a barrier to access to postgraduate study and we're going to count it. But the other five institutions didn't agree, um, and so on. Um, the second thing that's true is that even if we all agreed on a criteria, so all six institutions used finance, the particular measure that the institution used was different in each case. Um, now, that, what, what that suggested to us is either there needed to be a study that said 
these are the national wide participation characteristics at postgraduate level and all the institutions need to use them. And Hefke could have taken that approach and said, you know, we've got a study, we've got Paul Wakeling, he's a clever guy, he'll work out from the data what the criteria are and all institutions should use those. Um, what happened instead is that Hefke said in the current scheme, um, each of you will use your own criteria, but each of you has to present evidence of your underrepresented group, in other words, to be able to defend those criteria. So we seem to be living in a world where, unlike undergraduates, where we have a highly codified shared understanding of what widening participation is, that's monitored by offer and we report on it, and we have these benchmarks and those sorts of things, at postgraduate level, that's absent. Um, and the current direction of policy is that we shouldn't come to a shared view about what that, what that is. Um, okay, moving to the applications. Um, I spent weeks checking daily the applications coming in because I was terrified that this population didn't exist. That, as I said, the reason applications were falling was because people didn't want to do postgraduate study, or indeed if there was a disadvantaged group, it wasn't one that was interested in education. Um, thankfully, um, the applications uh, did come in, um, and they came in at scale. So we had 2,344 applications, 1,726 of which were both eligible, so home EU, doing a postgraduate study with an offer in the current year, etc., etc., uh, but also meeting at least one of that institution's widening participation criteria. In other words, if we had the funds, there were 1,726 people out there with disadvantage wanting to do a postgraduate qualification at one of the six institutions uh, now. And um, that faced us with a considerable challenge because we only had 350 of these scholarships to give out. And again, I remember ringing Brooke up and saying, um, if you happen to have another uh, couple of million quid, uh, we could, we'll spend it for you. Um, but unfortunately, she didn't. Um, the, uh, but that was the... Uh, and if you look at the spreads, you'll see that by far the... Um, the biggest criterion was financial status and deprivation um, out of the, uh, the criteria. So we went back to the institutions, having been turned down by Hefke, and said we're just overwhelmed here by eligible demand. Uh, what do you want to do? And the institutions, as you'll see here, themselves put in 100% funding of the additional scholarships to create... Um, uh, another 80 or so scholarships on top of the 350 that we were offering with 50% funding from Hefke. So in other words, the, the institutions put their hands in their pockets and said in the face of that demand we have to do something about it. So we ended up offering uh, 434 uh, scholarships, 416 of which took up their places. Now at this point in the project, until now, you can see that there's a lot of research going along a lot of getting the institutions together, advertising, defining criteria, dealing with the applications, and so on and so on. The students turned up, and that changed the project across the six institutions um, overnight. It's, it's incredible how having live data subjects on your premises 
changes the um, changes the nature of the project like this. And uh, I'm only going to show three of these that represent different elements of the project. Uh, but this is Holly, um, and this is uh, Holly speaking about the PSS scheme. Uh, I spent most of my childhood in foster care. For many years I felt disengaged from the educational system, but with some coaxing support I realised that I would lose more by not trying. Um, uh, an absolute pleasure to meet her, and uh, uh, I hope to be at her graduation uh, ceremony this September. This is um, Emma. Um, so this is about financial support as opposed to IAG. For the first 18 years of my life, I grew up in a council block of flats with my mum. Um, of course, at undergraduate education, she got a maintenance grant. Uh, finance was no barrier. She got to postgraduate study and realised she needed £10,000 and that hard work was not enough to progress. And along came the scholarship and she was able to pursue her studies. And lastly, Becky. Um, I read some interesting research that said, well, how it works at postgraduate study is the individuals have to make a risk-based judgment. Do they put the time, money in to do their postgraduate study and does it pay off for them in terms of future earnings and employment? And that, and that there's an economic analysis going on in the heads of individuals when they make this decision. And of course, what that research ignores is that you can only do that if you have the privilege of having weight on this side of the scale. You can, you can only do that balance if you have the choice. If you don't have the choice, you can't do the balance. Um, but here's Becky going, you know, she, I, I, I need this to pay off for me in time in terms of employment. and. Uh, the university really knows what employers are looking for and I'm going to leave with the latest skills and how to apply them. Um, I did worry when the students arrived whether they would want to be identified with each other or with the scheme. There was a debate within our institutions about normalising these students beyond their recruitment and allowing them just to be students with any other student. Uh, we took the risk of inviting them to a welcome event together to meet each other um, and we kept it reasonably low-key but the, you know, the Vice-Chancellor was there and said hello, we provided some wine and sandwiches and so on and um, boy did they want to identify with each other. I mean th these, th these are people with a shared life experience and something shared to celebrate about what they, the opportunity that now lies in front of them and we just couldn't get them out of the room that they now have a shared uh, Facebook page, they have shared Twitter accounts, they talk to each other, they are each other's mentorship and support group. Um, they absolutely want to identify with each other as a group with shared uh, uh, characteristics. Um, so at this point we could say some things to Hefke. Six institutions can get together and develop criteria, launch and develop a postgraduate scholarship scheme. It can be done, uh, we did it. Secondly, we can 100% match a state contribution. Uh, that worked. Those widening participation criteria can be used to select applicants fairly because we had lots of applicants and we had real selection to do. And lastly, there absolutely is demand from applicants who otherwise would not progress um, for such a scheme. And I hope that had something to do with the, the interim year scheme that's uh, running at the moment. Um, I'm not going to steal Paul's thunder, so there's, there's just one slide here uh, uh, that, that provides a link to what Paul and Sally are going to say. Um, 
but we think that there's evidence that graduates uh, from lower socioeconomic backgrounds are more likely to want to go on to postgraduate study, but less likely to do so. And it's the barriers to entry, not their lack of ambition, that creates their absence. Um, the postgraduates typically fund their study from personal savings, gifts from family and employment. Um, now, this is where my argument is with Biz on the loan scheme. In that, this, in that decision making about does this work out for me, if a student currently can pay and does pay for their postgraduate study, they're making a private contribution and the risk as to whether that works out or not for them is theirs. And it either does or it doesn't. If you introduce the loan scheme as proposed, the risk transfers to the state. So in other words, I, can, I have the private resources, I can pay for this postgraduate study, but actually I'm going to get the state to pay. And because it's an income-related repayment system, the state rather than I are now taking the risk on whether or not this postgraduate study is going to work out for me. So if I'm privileged, if I have the funding, the state is helping me. If I don't have that privilege, if I currently can't pay, then I think what the uh, evidence shows, but it'd, it'd be interesting to, to see uh, Paul and Sally's data, that I'm less likely to take a loan option because I'm going to be more debt adverse. And so uh, we won't see those individuals come through in the same uh, way. Now, at undergraduate level, we know this, which is why we have a loan scheme and offer and student financial support for undergraduates. At postgraduate level, somehow we think the world changes and we're going to introduce a loan scheme without an equivalent of offer with any codification of what that population is when it's disadvantaged and without the student finance support for those who are disadvantaged in that system. And that seems to me to be something that we need to argue in a business consultation uh, needs to be uh, addressed. So how might the sector um, uh, and indeed students respond? So a bit of crystal ball gazing. Well, there's the consultation website. Uh, do respond. Um, institutions, of course, are more and more interested in postgraduate study, um, either because their undergraduates are disappearing. This is the demographic curve out to 2020 for 18 to 20 year olds in the UK. We're all struggling to recruit our same numbers or market share of undergraduates. Uh, so postgraduates is good. Uh, more and more international postgraduates are coming uh, uh, into this country, but you need a home population to support those uh, international numbers. So we're all very much interested in this population. So I think what we're going to see, first of all, is a lot more academic product. And I've not said anything about that in this presentation, but in our final report that comes out in September, uh, uh, the PBC Learning and Teaching at Warwick, uh, Christina is writing a chapter. She's been leading six institutions uh, on academic innovation. There's going to be more focus on PG progression uh, as opposed to returners. Um, uh, but I think unless the funding regime changes, unfortunately, we'll see the death of PG certificates and diplomas as footholds into postgraduate study and I think if that happens it would be a tragedy. 
I think we'll just see the death of the two-year the two-year postgraduate tour program because you have to borrow money over two sets of years instead of one. Um, but the thing that I will ha think will happen the most, which is completely counter to Bologna, is that we'll see a whole host of integrated masters being launched. Um, why do I say that? Um, because the proposed postgraduate loan scheme is being proposed as a current repayment, a concurrent repayment scheme. In other words, the student will have two debts. They'll have their undergraduate loan debt, that as soon as they hit 21,000 they start repaying. But they'll have a separate postgraduate loan debt that equally when they hit 21,000 they start repaying. And the Institute for Fiscal Studies said that that will make their marginal tax rate uh, over 21,000, 50% of their earnings. Now you can afford that. Uh, what you do is you simply add the master's year as an integrated year in a 3 plus 1 in an integrated master's. If you do that, the £9,000 goes into the student loan company undergraduate debt and you, and you never pay more than 12% over, over 21,000. So um, it seems to me that any student who is a progressor rather than a returner would be crazy not to integrate their master's degree and institutions will therefore respond to that by offering integrated pathways where third years can transfer into the integrated master's route if they make that decision. And that seems to me just a complete own goal um, in terms of unintended consequences of the current policy. Uh, I'm wrapping up now, but we were very close. I mean, very close in the sense of you know meeting at the bank's headquarters in London uh, in kind of final sign-off meetings to launch a postgraduate uh, uh, lending solution uh, to students for whom lending was the, the right way forward. As soon as the announcement came out from Biz that they were intending to have state lending, um, that bank uh, ended those meetings. There was no point, the market was gone. So there could have been, for those students for whom lending was the right solution, a commercial solution, uh, but the government monopolising that lending has killed that market completely. Some of the other PSS projects were looking at some very imaginative solutions uh, with credit unions, uh, one or two of which I was very interested in, but again, they're uh, finished. Um, I think we have to continue to argue for the role of widening participation um, and student finance at PG level. Um, because the current dialogue is that loans is the only solution rather than loans is welcome but we still need to deal with fair access and WP. Um, I think this is an interesting uh, uh, it won't take many years for a significant proportion of the population in England to be wandering around with significant education loan debt um, and that's going to have policy and political implications going forward. So Labour, the Labour Party um, announcement to reduce fees from 9 to 6k is leaving the last three years of students who paid at 9k livid. <laughs> um, because they feel they were part of a failed experiment. Um, so, I mean, that's just the current example, but imagine as these loan debts roll forward and that affects a bigger and bigger proportion of the population, how any policy announcement in higher education about funding is going to wash back into that debt-laden population. So that's going to be very, very interesting to uh, observe.
there are a couple of things to say by way of outputs. Um, the first is everything in this presentation that I've said and more is in a chap that book chapter, uh, but our proper uh, report uh, from the project uh, is going to come out uh, before the 17th of September. Um, the significance of that is that that's when the Hefke Dissemination Conference takes place, I think. Is that right? Attentively. We haven't, Attentively. We haven't confirmed it externally. Anyway, well, I'm, I'm using that as my, <laughs> I must have the report in your hands yeah, by then. So we will have a, uh, we will have a report uh, uh, of, of the whole project uh, by September, hopefully to influence any uh, new government. So that's, um, that, that's a run through the project we, we've been running and what we've been finding. I hope, I hope you found that interesting. Thank you.